Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast to help you reveal God to others during your everyday. Special guests share their stories with songwriter and author Sharon Tedford. Today's guest has experienced God through some heart-pumping ventures. Extreme Sports has drawn him closer to God and given him some great opportunities to share Jesus with others. He's a husband and a new dad to an adult daughter. My guest, author and adventurer, Ryan George. Hello, Ryan. I am so happy to finally introduce you to our listeners. I tripped over you on social media, listening to you talking to somebody else, actually a book publisher, about your book and talking about how you reveal God through ordinary things and extraordinary things. And I knew in that moment that I really needed to get you here on the podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell us where you are today? Where I'm recording from my office in central Virginia. I live in a very British sounding town of Evington. Um, It's hard to find on a map, but the easiest way is to look at the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I'm about halfway down the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. Ryan, I'd love to share with our listeners what you've been up to over the last couple of weeks. We tried really hard to get you on a little bit earlier, but you've been busy doing things that I have not been doing. Tell us what you've been up to. (laughs) Yeah, I would put money on that. So the first weekend we looked at, I was ice climbing in southwest Colorado, frozen waterfall park. And then last weekend, I was doing some winter backpacking up in the mountains uh, with my friend Jack. And uh, finally got a weekend free this weekend uh, after my house caught fire and we had a little bit of fun with that. So yeah, finally recording. (laughs) It seems to me that somebody didn't want us to do this recording, yet here we are, overcomers. The best memories in life are the ones that are the hard ones to get. That's been my, my experience. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It's really great. Now, as you know, we ask all of our guests to share a reflection on Isaiah 61 with us. It's one of my favorite things to do because people come up with all different things because the word of God is living and active. So, Ryan, would you please share with us your reflection on Isaiah 61? I'd be happy to. Isaiah 61 showcases the God we all long for. He lets his children and Israel know he sees them. He acknowledges their poverty, their broken hearts, and their lack of freedom. But he doesn't stop at pity or sympathy or even empathy. No, he promises to do something about it. He doesn't offer to comfort the symptoms, but to change the root causes of their pain. Only God can look into the future and make those guarantees to a people currently under the boot of their oppressors. This benevolent father of their nation fleshes out the promise of Isaiah 43:19, where the prophet speaks for heaven with this exclamation. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I do see it. I filter that Old Testament promise through a similar declaration in the New Testament that says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I see it because I've lived it. I've watched that newness happen in renovated lives around me. I've watched parched and broken marriages grow green again. I've witnessed healings that befuddled doctors. I've seen chains of generational sins break. I've noticed sovereignty filling the holes of loss with meaning. I've seen goals replaced by passions. I've watched heaven reward surrender with purpose. I've felt pain redeemed. My tears of mourning have been replaced with sobs of joy. While most of us avoid change, we all have something new. Many of us yearn for a new reason to hope, a new and better reality. While not everyone pursues adventure, 
We all want to feel the embrace of Advent, God with us. But Jesus can't take us to new places that revive our hearts if we stay in the same place. He promised that his yoke is easy, but he didn't say that it would be stationary. He invited several of his disciples to follow him while he was walking. So as I've pined in hard places, as I've wished for a new reality, I've learned that the way to unleash Advent and adventure in my life is through surrender to Jesus. That was really thought-provoking, Ryan. Thanks for that reflection. There's so much to unpack there. You said a lot of really important things. So if you don't mind, I'm going to start by asking you a two-fold question. Yes, ma'am. First of all, you talked a lot about surrender. So why do you think surrender is important? And second of all, where have you seen the benefits of surrender in your life? As people will discover over the course of our conversation, I'm into action sports and adrenaline rushes. I jump off of buildings and mountains and airplanes. And there's a there's a part that God designed into our systems where we get the most of the reward chemicals like dopamine and epinephrine and all these other ones that go through our body. The more scared we are, it's part of the fight, flight, freeze mentality that we have. And so from an adrenaline junkie's perspective, um, the harder it is to do, right, the bigger the surrender is, the more reward there is for it. And so I don't know that it's necessarily proportional But what I found in my life is that the harder it is to say yes to Jesus and no to myself or yes to the Holy Spirit and no to a temptation or whatever it is, the greater the reward there is. Um, And I can give you a very, very recent example within the last two weeks. So for the first 18 years of my marriage, I tried very much not to have kids, had a difficult childhood and didn't want to replicate that. I was afraid to be a dad. Um, And I was on a helicopter expedition up in British Columbia. We were stand-up paddleboarding 6,600 feet above sea level. Uh, We get back to civilization, and I get a text message from my wife saying, hey, you might want to call me. (laughs) And that's not like her. She doesn't normally interrupt my my vacations like that. And so I called her, and a young lady that she used to disciple back in middle school had reached out to her during a domestic violence situation, called for help. My wife showed up to the scene, called the police, and the police had told her, uh, well, she called you, so you can take her home. <laughs> so when I got back from Canada to the States, the Department of Social Services was here, and they said, yeah, she can stay here. We're, we're good with this. We like the situation here. And so over the next two years, uh, we went through the process of adopting our daughter now, uh, three, four months ago. And a week before the adoption went final, it was, it was a grueling process. We had problems with different judges. One of the judges told us, I've never seen this many verifying documents in a folder before. I just don't understand why the documents weren't enough for your adoption. And my attorney is explaining this to us. She said, I don't understand this, why this has been so hard. This should be a slam dunk case. And I said, I do, because God wanted the irony of me fighting to be a dad after years of fighting not to be. <laughs> and learning about his heart that way. Well, so fast forward, that was back in November. um, And two Sundays ago, that adoption attorney uh, got baptized at our church. I had no idea where she was with Jesus. And when she told her story at the podium before getting in the tank, she said, I came to Christ because of working the adoption for Ryan and Crystal George. I saw them believe in a miracle when I gave up on one. And when the church had hurt me. I saw people from the church who loved so well someone who was not their biological child. And so, I mean, I'm just sobbing, right? Crying <laughs> as she's getting baptized. And so the reward of that was greater than anything I've ever done out of an airplane or on a mountain. It was because the surrender for me was so big. I've seen that over and over again. Well, Ryan, that sounds to me a bit like surrender means 
letting go of control. Do you think that's true? Yes. <laughs> For me, it's it's getting out of the driver's seat. Usually I'm more scared in a passenger seat than I am in a driver's seat. <laughs> so there's a there's an adrenaline rush of uh, switching seats and, and yeah, relinquishing control because you want to reach for the wheel, right? Um, when we were teaching my daughter driver's ed uh, in Virginia, she had to have so many hours of driving with a parent. And my wife gave up after a while because she had this tendency to reach over and try to grab the wheel <laughs> from my daughter. And because I'm an adrenaline junkie, I just thought it was a wild ride. I mean, I was having fun over there and our daughter was more comfortable because I wasn't trying to grab the wheel. And I think a lot of times for us as Christians, the hardest part of surrender first is getting in that passenger seat and the other is not reaching for the wheel when we get scared. That's a really good example. And I completely empathize with that because we have our third child going through driving lessons. And I, like your wife, do not do the driving lessons anymore because I kept reaching for the wheel. And that's not very helpful when you're trying to learn to drive. (laughs) So, Ryan, clearly you've learned how to recognize when God is revealing himself to you. It sounds like that from what you've been telling us. So can you tell us about your favorite extreme sports experience, perhaps where you were really scared, where God made himself very evident to you? Well, first of all, if, if I could hijack that question to say that I don't have very many moments of fear that don't involve Jesus at some point. Um, when I'm really scared, he hears more from me on the beginning end. Uh, on all of them, there is a worship experience on the back end where I'm usually on my knees or I'm exalting and just sometimes even crying. I'll listen. It sounds really weird for an adrenaline person, but I'll be listening to worship music and just it's crazy. But yeah, God's revealed himself in all different kinds of ways. He shows his heart to me all the time. What you need to know about my adrenaline rushes is that they didn't start from a good place. So I was bullied in middle school. My parents ended up homeschooling me. When I went to college, it was very apparent I was in a lower caste, right? I wasn't one of the cool kids. Wouldn't necessarily call it bullying, but I just knew I wasn't enough, right? And so when I left college, got married, I pursued all the things to prove to the world that I was worthy of respect and love, which you can't do. I mean, it's just an impossible task, uh, but it didn't stop me from trying. And so what I found is as I went around, I built a business, I literally built a home, I won a whole bunch of industry awards and did all this big stuff and, and work. And then I started going around the world doing all these crazy adventures, surfing in the Arctic or what have you. Um, Jesus showed up in those moments to reveal something about himself as if he was saying, I know you're coming here because you want to feel important and you want others to see, but I have something that you can learn of my heart and of my character here. And if you're paying attention, I'll show you. And part of that is because of the experience of how I've been discipled. So uh, my pastor for the last 15, 16 years is an experiential education instructor. And so he would take us into the wilderness or some of these adrenaline things. And then after we experienced the rush and the euphoria and everything that goes with it, we would sit down very intentionally every time and say, what did you learn about God today? And what are you taking home that you didn't have before? And even sometimes for some people in our group who were scared and they overcame more fears than necessarily I did, more inhibitions, he would go, okay, so you conquered something today that you didn't think you could do, something you've never done. What's something back home that you're afraid to do, whether in your faith, your family, your relationship, work, whatever, that now you know that that line is arbitrary? that you can go and express faith in that area of your life. And so it's just become normative for me to process adventure through that lens. I think that's a really helpful phrase for us all to have after any experience that we go through, whatever it is, that we need to ask ourselves, what did I learn about God today? And maybe ask our spouses and our friends, what did you learn about God today through that experience? Thanks for saying that, Ryan. I wonder whether having the gift that God gave you to love extreme sports and love adrenaline, is that a difficult thing to live with? Did you sometimes wonder whether God had given that to you by mistake? (laughs) 
it's not a burden to carry. Let me tell you, uh, jumping out of an airplane is is amazing. Uh, my favorite, I like bungee jumping better than that. I love paragliding. I love going out on the wing. I do a thing called wing walking where you go out on the wing of a biplane while it's doing aerobatic maneuvers. That's not a burden. That's not a hard thing that Jesus gave me. But to answer the question, yes, absolutely. And it took me 35 years to understand that that's why God wired me that way, that there was an intention about it, that it wasn't brokenness in me, that it wasn't an accident or like something that Jesus regretted. Um, I'll give an example. This is an example that actually opens the book. So when I was growing up, what I wanted to be most was an automotive designer or journalist. We lived on a highway where a quarter of a million cars passed our windows every weekend. And I just wanted to design and do that. But my pastor at the time said, well, that's an unholy thing to want, to love, to be fascinated by, because there's no cars in heaven. I remember him saying that specifically. And so I kind of stuffed that for a while. I went off to college. Um, All of my writing professors, except for one, were women. And so they weren't really interested in automotive journalism. But then I got out of college and I got into a church of about 3,000, 3,500 people. And we have eight parking lots on Sunday morning. And I started serving there. And I remembered people because of their car. And I would talk people up around their car. And eventually we formed a team of people who served these people in the parking lot. People were coming to Christ on the sidewalk and the asphalt. People were walking up to me. I literally had a stranger walk up to me, fall into my arms crying and ask me to pray for her because she'd lost her daughter that week, having never spoken to her ever before. And so over time, I've just watched. I've been discipled on a parking lot. My friends have. I've watched literally people just surrender their lives to Jesus. Uh, We baptize our teammates when they come to Christ in a reflective vest, like what we wear in a parking lot. And we all get on stage. Uh, When I got baptized in 2007, my teammates used the directional wands to guide me up onto stage like I was a car, and they parked me in the tank. It It was really beautiful. My Some of my greatest, if not the greatest ministry I've had in my life is in between cars and trucks <laughs> on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights. And so, yeah, it's just been a beautiful thing to go, no, 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 God wired me this way because he needed someone who would get excited in a parking lot. I'd, I would not be much help in a nursery. I wouldn't be much help in a tech booth, you know, doing the lyrics on the screens during the music. I couldn't do any of that stuff. I'm not a coffee connoisseur. I wouldn't be helpful in that. But man, I can leverage some stuff in a parking lot that other people don't have. That's a really good perspective, Ryan, thinking about what God has given us for his kingdom, for his glory, that all of that is important and that it's not a mistake and it's not a surprise to him what we love. And I also just want to step back a little bit into what you said about you wearing a reflective vest in the baptismal pool and in the parking lot, the car park. What a great example that is, that literally that's what you're doing. You are reflecting Jesus to all the people that come into the parking lot. So thank you so much for doing that with excellence. Uh, You've told us about how God's revealed himself to you, Ryan, but how do you reveal God to others? Not just in the car park or the parking lot. You do that at other times too. Isn't it a bit hard to share God when you're throwing yourself out of the cab of a bungee? (laughs) Uh, yeah, actually it is because uh, there's not a lot of time for conversation. I just went bungee jumping here in January up in British Columbia. You know, you have 60 to 90 seconds on the end of a platform and half of those are them spend giving you instructions on what to do next, right? So, And also extreme sports is not something that generally attracts Christians. In the States, I can't speak for globally, Christianity is often sold for safety reasons. Like uh, you'll have a safe eternity, your kids will turn out better or whatever. And so I don't think that's the correct way to sell Christianity if you want to use that term. There's not a lot of other believers that do that. There are in my church, which is 
is why I think I was sovereignly drawn to that church. Both my pastors used to race motorcycles. Uh, one of my pastors flies an ultralight aircraft, which is basically a kite with a fan underneath. We just have a bunch of extreme people. But what I have seen is adventure sports has been a great path for discipleship. Um, people's walls break down. It's almost like a foxhole mentality. Like if I remember the biggest whitewater I ever tried in my life. I almost died in 2007 doing it. And my buddy saved my life that year. There were stories down the river about my rescue. It was pretty dramatic. But man, the people that were in that boat, I still have intimate relationships with them. And the conversations, again, breaking it down, we're at the end of it. We went out to dinner. We're like, okay, what did we learn about ourselves today? What did we learn about God today? What do we take home to our wives? Um, And that's happened over and over. And that could be something as benign as backpacking, you know, which some people would consider just uncomfortable, not necessarily dangerous, all the way up to I've taken as many as 17 people with me skydiving from my church at a time. So when you face death, when you have to get your your matters in order, one of my buddies calls it having communion or having his funeral. He says, before I go do something where I could lose my life, I make sure that things are right with my wife, right with my kids, right with my employees— right with Jesus. He said, and sometimes if it's not right, just like Jesus says about communion, I just don't partake. But if I'm if I'm in the right place, then, then I can go and, and take those risks. And so it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but there's actually a very introspective process when you're in adrenaline sports to make sure you're ready to do what you're about to do. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I want to step back a little bit and ask you, you said that you go on these trips with believers and non-believers. So do you ask non-believers the same question, what did you learn about God today? Hmm. We definitely ask it in front of people who aren't believers. I know that's happened before. Maybe it's, when it's put out there to an entire group, not everyone's required to answer, you know. But we are free about it. I remember one of my buddies came to Christ. I got to baptize him, again, in his reflective vest. And he was a Harley Davidson dude. He was like a, a motorcycle guy. And he told me, he said, I didn't think Christian men could be cool. Like, I thought if you were a Christian dude, you were pretty lame. I didn't have a category for guys doing fun, extreme, dangerous things and loving Jesus, which is amazing because following Jesus is dangerous in so many ways that the number one command in Scripture is don't fear. (laughs) Yeah, so the fact of being comfortable to have those conversations in front of anybody has led to... I don't know necessarily I've seen someone come to Christ in a whitewater moment, but I've seen it lead to that. Uh, There's a sport that we like to do here on the lakes called wake surfing, where you create an artificial wave behind a boat and you surf. And one of my buddies gave his life to Christ in the wake surfing boat halfway through the day. He's just like, yeah, I think I'm ready to do this. And that had come because every time he was in that boat with our mutual friends, they would stop the boat at some point during the day and do a devotional and a prayer time and then get back to riding again knowing that not everybody in the boat was a believer. So, yeah, it's, it's not so much a high-pressure sales pitch as much as just living it out in front of people and showing people a Christianity that's attractive. You're listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Ryan George. Now, Ryan, as much as I think you'd like to spend all day, every day doing extreme sports and fun stuff like that, you don't actually do that as your day job, do you? So tell us what you do and how do you share the truth of Jesus in your day job? Yeah, so my day job is a little bit different. Uh, There's not very many of me in the States 
Um, I am a virtual assistant for auction companies. Uh, so auction companies hire me to advertise their auctions to the world. Uh, in fact, as we're recording today, I've got an auction going in the UK that I'm advertising. Um, but as far as how I bring my faith into that, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's a lot of moments of evangelism. And in fact, uh, favorite clients is an atheist and she was going through a hard thing in her life. And I one time offered to pray for her and she's like, I'm not really comfortable with that. I don't believe in all that. And it just let me know, okay, this is this is something we're not going to be talking about or maybe more carefully talking about in the future. Uh, I have had other clients where we've had great spiritual conversations, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, hours at a time where they pick up the phone and say, hey, Ryan, I'm going through something. Can can we talk? Or we're just talking about life and, and we get around to that. But where I see the primary ministry in my job is actually in the fact that it is virtual and I am self-employed. Um, I've been working from home for 20 years. Um, and so I have the freedom to pause, to sit in a conversation, to respond to text messages, to push work off, to go meet with somebody for lunch or breakfast or as often as uh, disc golf with me. And so I've had lots of discipleship moments in that regard. Um, and even the one breakfast time that I took off to go to Cracker Barrel, my buddy gave his life to Christ. So yeah, I, th I think it's more the availability than it is the actual work itself. And so while other people may look to find opportunities around the water cooler or chatting with uh, workmates over lunch. I'm this only employee in my house and everybody else is on the other end of an email. So availability for me is is more about the peripheral, what's going on around the job. That's a good lesson for all of us. Availability is important for those holy interruptions so that we can do what God's asking us to do in that moment. So Ryan, another adventure that you have recently stepped into is podcasting. And I've really loved listening to your podcast. So thanks for doing that. I want to know from you, what drove you to do podcasting? And I wonder, is it the same sort of heart racing adventure as all of your other extreme sports? <laughs> I'll go to the second question first. Uh, yes, it has been an adventure, uh, learning new technology, even just putting myself out there to ask friends, hey, would you be willing to come on the air with me? And, and many have said no and to just be okay with that. Many of the practitioners of the extreme sports that I deal with just do it for the love of it. And they're not trying to be famous. They're not trying to tell their story. Um, so that has been a bit of a challenge. But the reason why I wanted to tell their story and why I wanted to do the podcast was, you know, for 15 years, I've been blogging about my travels and adventures and my spiritual expeditions. So people are, have seen it on social media and on my blog, whatever, they well know my stories. But as I went around the world to all seven continents and both polar circles, I rub shoulders with people who have incredible stories that nobody is telling or few people are telling. And I wanted to bring their stories to a wider audience, especially those who are people of faith. Um, on the first season here of the podcast, I think it's the last episode, I interviewed with a friend who's a hot air balloon specialist. She was an editor of the magazine for hot air ballooning. She's in the hot air ballooning hall of fame. And she survived flying her hot air balloon into a supercell, basically uh, a tornado, and lived to tell about it and what she learned from that. Uh, another one of the people of faith that I met abroad was my surf coach up in the Arctic Circle um, in a surfing competition down in South Africa. He was attacked by a great white shark and he was rescued by another great white shark that attacked the first one <laughs> and knocked it off him so he could swim to shore. It's all on video. You can see it on YouTube. It's just crazy. And so I went, man, these stories are stories that need to be told. And it's not just the adrenaline rush stories. I, I have an episode on the adventure of adoption. I have one on the, an adventure of stand-up comedy. Like, what is it for a Christian to do stand-up comedy in a bar and club world, you know? Um, I even did one on the adventure of retiring, of changing your 
your profession. And so what I try to do is have some stuff that is very different from what you normally hear on podcasts. We recorded one episode literally hanging 90 feet off the ground on the side of a cliff. The whole interview happened there. And then some very everyday, you know, God in the ordinary type lives. And I'm really connecting to, I had one episode I listened to and I cried listening to the interview. It was just that intimate and beautiful. And so I'm hoping to tell those stories to more people. My goodness, I promise that I will not be doing any recording of interviews hanging off the side of a mountain, Ryan, I promise. But I would actually say that when I listened to your first episode of your podcast, I cried too, which is difficult because I was listening in the plane, heading off on vacation somewhere. So yeah, I highly recommend that you guys get a hold of that podcast and have a good listen to it. So Ryan, it's been really great chatting with you. I know people are going to want to find out more about you. So where can they find you? Where can they find about your book, your podcast, your website, maybe even your every day-to-day business? Yeah, so in most social media, you can just look up my name, Ryan George. There's not a lot of Ryan Georges out there. I'll be the guy wearing a big yellow vest and a kayak over my shoulder and all those platforms. Uh, You can also look for me at Ryplane. That's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. And uh, in the bio of all of my social media, there's a link to various websites, my adventure blog, my business blog, uh, the podcast, Everyday Adventures. And of course, the book, Scared to Life. You can find the book at Amazon and every major online retailer if you want a print edition. It's available in audio format in iTunes, Audible, and Google Play Store. And then if you like an e-reader version, that's available through Kindle. And Scared to Life is such a great book. I've really enjoyed reading it. And although we're not actually a book review podcast, I highly recommend that you get hold of that book and read it. You're going to be encouraged. Ryan, it's been such a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you very much for joining us here on God in the Ordinary. Oh, this has been so fun. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Ryan George. You can read more about Ryan and all his adventures at biplaneproductions.com. For our show notes, go to 61-things.com. This podcast is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production, and we pray that you're encouraged to reveal God in your everyday.